Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast, where our mission is to serve coaches through conversations so they can lead like Jesus. I'm Gian Lemmy. I'm joined by my co-host, Chad Simpson. Hey, Chad. Hey, Gian. Chad, today's guest has to be the hardest worker, busiest coach we've ever had on the podcast. Um, his name is Eric Shorts. He's at Crown um, up in the north, really cold. Um, now he's closer to you, Chad, than, than me. Um, and he was, when we interviewed him, he was the tennis coach. He was a football coach and he was also the compliance officer. And that is unbelievable. And he shares that story of how he was, he had to get those three jobs in order to be considered a full-time employee and receive benefits. Um, but that, that's just a, such a great interview. Yeah, there's, uh, it really shows you, uh, inside, you know, the small college world, you know, and, uh, I had heard before I started coaching my uncle, um, you know, he was at a division two school and he was talking about mowing the grass outside of the tennis court just so that that was his role, you know? And, um, I think, I think this, you know, if you're at a big school, I think be grateful, be grateful for all the resource, all the extra hands that you have. And, and if you're at a small school, I think we just be, be thankful that you get to work in sports and, um, you know, you're serving in the shadows, doing some small things. But, um, I think, I think it's still. Uh, really beautiful and, and uh, really cool. Just all that Eric gets to do there at, at his school. Yeah. And Eric is in my uh, Monday morning Christian coaches group that we have his boss now, Anthony Franz, who we also interviewed on the podcast when he was at Trinity International. He's now the head coach at Crown. And he started this, uh, this group of Christian coaches every Monday morning. We come together and just share our struggles and, and you know, other coaches can come in and, and help us with those struggles, but it's been great. It's been a very good way to start our, um, our week, you know, just a Monday morning coaches coming together. Um, and it's been a lot of fun, but one of the topics that Eric talks about is what he learned from his dad and his dad was an engineer. My dad is an engineer. And I just thought Chad, maybe we can share one lesson we've learned from our dads. Is that okay? hundred percent. Why don't my, you start? My, I'll go start. I'll go first. My dad, besides obvious of hard work, my dad was a very hardworking man, but one of the lessons that I still use to this day, my dad taught me how to properly pack grocery bags, like the groceries inside the bags at the grocery store so that it made our lives easier when we got home, you know? So I would get scolded putting lettuce and, you know, pasta box in the same in the same bag and he scolded me and said you know these play these bags go different places in the kitchen so why not just pack like items together so it makes it easier and then he also taught me a knot of the bag that my wife still thinks it's nuts and it drives her nuts but it's a knot that it keeps the bag secured but it's so easy to pull it out when uh, when you get home and you can open these bags much easier what was something that your dad taught you, Chad? And those are those are great lessons from your father. I'm sure Meredith was impressed with your backpacking skills. And uh, I wonder what our kids are going to say one day on on the random crazy lessons our dad taught us. But um, the first one that for me that comes to mind um, in the in the arena of hard work, more specifically, was um, just preparation. Remember, my my parents had uh, had separated when I was in junior high, and I was living with my mom. And I remember one summer. My dad came up with a, a massive um, shot chart on how many, I'm gonna get a thousand 
uh, free throws in by this date. And so he was always on me on, you know, if you prepare well, you're going to play well. And I think taking that into coaching, I always emphasize that with my, my players on. We're going to pack our bags. We're going to be the most prepared team and uh, heading into competition. So, yeah, the uh, the impact of a father and uh, I know Eric's Eric's working hard to be a great dad, too. And just uh, one thing to, to really highlight um, heading into this interview, I really loved at the end of his conversation what what he said he got to design um, his tennis program around. And he said, if I'm just gonna have it center on one thing, I want it to be this. And just listen to all the way through the end, that really impacted me in, in a way that you coach can can impact your team. So, hey, that's, uh, that's a big intro. Uh, super excited for this inter interview. We got coach Eric Shords uh, coming at you right now. Coach Shorts, thank you so much for coming on the Christian Coach Podcast. We like our first question to always be, what does it mean to you to be a Christian coach? Well, I think for me, it's, um, you know, it, it's in the name there, Christian before coach. And so that's my identity. My identity is always going to be in Christ. Um, you know, whether I, I'm here at a Christian institution like I am now or I'm somewhere else, um, I always want to have that attached to who I am or how people view me. So, um, you know, I, I know that in my life, I'm, I'm representing Christ in all that I do. And so that is certainly attached to my job, my career, um, all those sorts of things. So, um, so I, I, I suppose to me, it's that I can't be just a coach or just a Christian, but they, they have to be attached. So um, I like the term because that's exactly how it should be. Yeah. The, has that definition for you changed from the first time you started coaching or has it always stayed the same? Um, yeah, I think, you know, when I was a, a young coach and, and um, you know, had, had this drive and, the, and not that I don't have a drive anymore, but, you know, you want to be the best coach possible and you want to win and, and championships and all those sorts of things matter to you more. Um, you know, and then you start to realize working with students and, and developing them in their lives is probably a little bit more important than um, the wins, the awards, the accolades. And so, um, so yeah, as a young buck, I probably would have said, um, yeah, I, I want to be a coach and I want to be, you know, I want to be uh, viewed as, as Nick Saban or, or, you know, one of those guys that just win. Um, but even following those guys on the biggest stage, they always talk about player development and player character and those sorts of things. So even them themselves get that. And so um, my, my definition has definitely changed in the, um, you know, whatever it's been, eight, seven years that I've yeah. been coaching. Yeah. Let, let, let's go back now to your origins. Um, when, when did you start playing sports? Um, what was your family life like? Um, and, and then how did you end up now here at crown? So, um, you know, a young kid grew up in South Jersey, pretty much in the suburbs of Philadelphia across the river. And so, um, you know, I had a pretty, pretty normal life there in terms of mom and dad were in the house, had an older sister, still have an older sister, um, grew up playing sports, you know, and just kind of youth leagues and, and played a little bit of everything. So, um, grew up playing soccer, basketball, baseball, started football in fourth grade, um, tennis in middle school. And so played a little bit of everything, which uh, I was always active, always looking for uh, friends on playgrounds and stuff like that to play with. And so, um, you know, pretty active kid. And 
as I got older, um, football and tennis kind of stood out as the two sports that um, I had the most passion for. I enjoyed the most. Um, obviously, far different sports, but um, <laughs> that was going to be my question. Yeah. How, how did that come about? Football yeah. and tennis. So, um, you know, I, I just had in the neighborhood, I had friends who played tennis. So I always played with them. Um, and as I got into middle school, one of my uh, Christmas presents in, in sixth or seventh grade was um, a voucher for like four private tennis lessons that my parents mm. had given me. So um, so I went down to the local tennis club, randomly assigned a uh, trainer, took lessons with him, liked it. And, and he actually was my trainer all the way through high school. So, um, you know, so I was always in tennis and um, football. I just, you know, I always liked watching on, on TV football. And so to be a part of the team and do all that in high school, um, you know, that was awesome too. And our high school was uh, very sports driven. I went to Shawnee high school in South Jersey and um, you know, we won a, a state title in football while I was there um, had, had some of the, you know, best tennis players I've ever seen in person were on that tennis team. And um and so, you know, sports is always a big part of my life. And, um, you know, my father was an engineer and, and worked his way up and ended up owning his own firm in South Jersey there um, for years and years. And so for a long time, I thought I'll just take over the family business. Um, you know, it, it seemed like a, an easy way to, to have a, a pretty good living and all those sorts of things. Went to uh, Boise State out of high school because I didn't like any of the East Coast colleges that I had really gotten into. To, to play football, to play tennis, or just to go uh, to school? Just to be a student at first. Um, and, uh, you know, it just so happened that when I got there, um, suite mates and, and floor mates and roommates were all football players. So I, I naturally became attached to them pretty quickly. But, um, but anyway, I went there and, and first day of um, physics or whatever it was you know I walked in and I was like I, I can't do this this is not I'm not going to be an engineer I'm not going to be I, I, I can't do it so um, so after after my first year at Boise I, I didn't do well in, in the academic world at a large state school in lecture halls with 200 kids and so I needed a change um, uh, I had spoken to to crown in high school because my uh, my pastor at my church was actually a crown graduate back in the day. So um, so I looked them up and, and kind of resurfaced the idea of, of maybe playing football there and ended up transferring here, finishing my undergrad here, um, played three years of football. Um, lots of injuries were, were in that career. And so um, so I, I quickly transitioned to like a student assistant because, you know, it was knee surgery, knee surgery, knee surgery. So, um, so I just started coaching then. And, and again, even in college, didn't think coaching was an option for me, but as I started doing it, I, I just fell in love with it. Um, you know, still being a part of the game. Um, I, I always did a, a pretty good job at understanding the X's and O's and things like that. Um, or, or the schematics of a game and those sorts of things. So, you know, that was easy for me. Um, and the same in tennis. You know, when, when I worked with my trainer, we were always talking about tennis and more of a chess match play than we were, you know, it, it wasn't get the ball in. Yeah. And I was, uh, I was you know, not, not the, uh, I don't know, the most physically fit kid. You know, being a football player, I wasn't built to be a baseliner or anything like that. What position that. did you play in the football? 
Uh, we played linebacker. You know, no, as a kid, I played everything. Yeah. Uh, but uh, in college, it was yeah. a linebacker. Linebacker. Um, and uh, so I, in tennis, I wasn't a baseliner. And so, you know, my trainer, you know, built me to be a, a serve and volley and get to the net. And, um, you know, we talked a lot about angles and where we were going to attack and, and what was the most likely return I was going to get. And so, you know, just like football, tennis to me it, in my brain, it just seemed like, okay, this is, you know, I, I understand how if I do this, they'll react this way in, in either sport. So um, coaching just always kind of uh, um, came naturally to me that I understood that part of the game. And so now I can share that with other people uh, um, and hopefully they learn that as well. But yeah, long answer for your question. No, that that's great. Um, my follow-up um, might be a little unique. My dad is also an engineer. Okay. And I learned from him just being around him, there's everything had to be factual. There was no, there was no feelings involved in most of the, the situations, you know, um, what were some of the things that, that your dad taught you, uh, growing up or even to now, um, that has helped you become a a, a better coach, uh, you know, a better man. Um, yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I grew up in church with my family. And so that was always, uh, um, something that was certainly rooted in me from, you know, my mother's father was a, a, a ordained minister and, um, you know, my, my father grew up in church with his parents as well. And so it was always kind of rooted um, traditionally in our family. But um, on the more of, of kind of being a man and, and that side of it, uh, I would say the number one thing I learned from my father was work ethic. Um, you know, when we were when I was young, young, he you know, he, he was just a civil engineer working in a firm, um, worked his way up to VP in a, in a small business. Um, the president, business owner, retired, and my father took over. And um, one of the things I, I always thought, um, it, it, the company was named after the former president. So I thought, oh, this is going to be so cool. We're going to be named after the business and that sort of thing. And um, you know, my father taught me kind of business at, at a young age. So he said, nope, but, you know, I decided I'm not going to change it. Um, you know, it, it has a name here. It has a reputation and that means something. And so, you know, I learned those sorts of things. Like I said, the work ethic, my father, you know, probably worked 60 to 80 hours a week. Um, even when he was the president of that company, he was, um, he was home for dinner every night, which was awesome. Um, but there were many nights where he said, Hey, I got to go back to the office for two, three hours. I got to get some stuff done. Um, or Saturday mornings, you know, God bless him. He was out in the yard doing yard work every day. And I didn't understand that. You know, to me, it was like in South Jersey, you live in a bunch of pine trees and all that sort of stuff. Just let the, let the needles and leaves fall. And, and that's no big deal, but he was out there working on grass, pulling weeds, you know, just making what we had look nice. Um, and th those were things I learned from my parents too. You know, my mother as well. Um, you know, that, that as he got, you know, advanced in his career and we had nice things that we didn't have when we were younger, maybe a newer car or something like that. Um, we were going to take care of those sorts of things. And so the same thing with his yard, you know, it, it was, it was great to have um, the house that we had, the home that we did. I lived there from, age two to age 18. Um, and, but we were going to take care of it. We were going to, you know, respect it and, and make it nice. And so, 
uh, those were a lot of the lessons that, you know, I still use today. Um, you know, my father's work ethic and all those sorts of things, but I still take away the fact that, um, you know, we always had family dinners. If we could, um, if I wasn't out of practice or my sister wasn't at dance or, or something like that, we were going to sit down as a family and have dinner. And so now I have uh, a young son who's um, just 15 months old, almost 16 months. And, um, but those are the start, the things that we do. My wife and I always eat together. He eats a little bit earlier than us, but, um, but you know, those are the sorts of things that I, I hope to carry over to my family so that we can, we can have that family time and bond time and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, what are some of the, transferable skills or knowledge between football and tennis so something that you learned from tennis that you use in football and vice versa sure so um here at crown we have a lot of tennis players who, who play multiple sports and so um, some of our tennis players are football players some of them are soccer players that's probably the most common you get you know um, we've had some basketball players over the years um but i, I think the footwork you learn in tennis can be, I mean, it's just incredible. Your footwork, your balance, the things you need um, in tennis are so relatable um, or, or can just improve your skills in, in any other sport. And so, um, you know, I've had, I've even had over the years, some offensive linemen with our football team who want to play tennis because they want to work on their footwork and, and it's great. And usually at the start of the season, it's really rough and it's difficult to coach, but, um, but it's impressive, you know, some of the, some of the things that they do or, or learn along the way. So, um, so that's all, you know, footwork technique, um, you know, their rhythms, their balance, all those sorts of things that I just think are, are wonderful for taking from tennis to another sport. And the other thing, um, you know, especially with the football players is, you know, and I learned this at a young age. Some people can, but I don't think you can really play tennis angry. I don't think that's an effective approach. Um, you know, aside from, uh, you know, what's the Australian, uh, the pro Australian. Kyrgios. Yeah, Kyrgios. There you go. Yeah. I figured I was going to butcher his last name, but he'll lose his mind all the time. And, and usually I think that doesn't work for him. No. Um, but sometimes he'll spark a comeback once in yeah. a while. But, um, but that's what I have to teach my football players all the time is, you know, you can't play this sport angry. Yeah. Uh, you know, football is a little bit different. You can play with raw aggression and those sorts of things, but you can't. Yeah. I mean, you know, I just tell them you're building up all this stuff inside of you and now your swing is your pace is different. Everything's different because you've yeah. changed how your body acts. And anger. So, anger is a terrible feel because it burns fast. It can't carry much longer, right. you know? Um. And, or, you know, with basketball players, I say, Hey, what's, where do you have to be the most consistent all the time? Oh, the free throw line, everything's written. Yeah. Tennis is the exact same way. I want your forehand stroke. I want your serve. I want everything to be the same as it was the last hundred times you did it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and that's where you're successful. You know, when you, um, when you take your forehand and you're swinging up high like this and the next one's down at your waist on and your consistency changes, of course, your forehand's a disaster. But um, when you can keep it rhythmic and it's in the same sweet spot and in your strike zone and all those sorts of things, um, you know, then you're better. When you're more consistent, you're better. And so um, those are the things that I try to pull from tennis um, over to, um, 
you know, over to football or over to basketball or to soccer. Um, but, uh, you know, and I don't know how much goes the other way. You know, I don't know how much I can pull from, you know, I think over, over the years on serve motions, I've kind of said, Hey, it's kind of like throwing a football where you're going to pull it back behind your head. And so I've tried to find those, (laughs) those relational things, but, um, but yeah, I think tennis, at least here at crown has taught a lot of student athletes, um, you know, how, how applicable it can be to their sport. Um, and the other thing I think it's done is it's really, you know, I, I have a few players who have come through, played for me and maybe hadn't played competitively before, but now they, you know, have graduated and they call me and they say, oh, you know, Hey, you want to go out and play tennis or I've been playing with my wife and I'm getting better and all those yeah. sorts of things. It's really cool that uh, a lot of them have, have kind of made it a sport for life. Yeah. The, I remember I'm a Red Sox fan. Um, and so I remember Dustin Pedroia and he would actually do the split step right before the batter would hit the ball, you know, and he, okay. would, he played and I think he played high school tennis and and he would exaggerate and jump up in the air and then, you know, <laughs> land right where when the guy would hit the ball so that he was ready to explode either direction. And I was like, this is incredible. You know, if he's doing it. Feel like my D1 tennis player should be also doing the yeah, same thing. I'm gonna you know? be looking that up and showing that on the big screen. Then. Yeah, you should. Yeah, Dustin Pedroia, he did it all the time. Um, but but yeah, um, my 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 last question is, how did you get to be a compliance officer, a football defensive coordinator, and a tennis coach for men's and women's? Um. Well, you know, uh, here crown some of us coaches we got to wear a lot of different hats and and uh, being a smaller division three college that's kind of always or or I think that's that's typical at least for here and so um, you know I worked my way up with the uh, with the football program here from student assistant to position coach to coordinator Um, over my time here um, they didn't have tennis so as uh, as an athlete never could play um, in college um, you know and even for the first whatever, four or five years I was coaching here, we didn't have it. Um, the athletic director, um, Jamie Ross, who's still our AD, he, he came to me and said, hey, what do you think about starting a tennis program? You think that's something that you'd be interested in? And, when, and was, me, when was this? Uh, three, four years okay. ago now. I, okay. I think we just completed our fourth season. Okay. Uh, so, um, so it was probably five years ago he approached me yeah. about it. Um. And I said, you know, we, we got no courts on campus, you know, we got nothing like that, but, um, but I wasn't involved in tennis at the time, you know, in my personal life and stuff like that. So, you know, I was excited about getting back into the sport. Um, and so, um, so, you know, I, I said, yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd love to do that. And, um, and, and so immediately, you know, started, uh, generating buzz either on campus, um, finding some, some student athletes who had played in high school, but now they were um, sophomores, juniors, whatever on campus and telling them, Hey, we're, we're going to have tennis next year. I'd love to have you um, play for the team and those sorts of things started scouting out. Where can we practice? You know, Minnesota is not the, the most tennis friendly location. So when you're uh, when your season starts in January, you, you go inside until yeah. at least probably spring break. So yeah. Um, so we, we found an indoor facility, you know, 20 minutes from campus that uh, has, has done a phenomenal job working with us. 
Um, and a uh, local Christian high school here had brand new six courts on their on their campus. And so reached out to their athletic director and, and they've done a great job at, at allowing us to host home matches and things like that there. So, um, so you know, that's that kind of became part of the job. Um, and uh, as I became, um, you know, on campus more full time, more with tennis and football and everything keeping me here. Um, our athletic director at the time was also running compliance. And, and so he needed somebody else to run compliance. And so um, before I was the tennis coach, I was just a stipend coach here. Adding tennis and compliance made me full-time, um, you know, so everything became full-time benefits, all that sort of stuff. So, um, so that was kind of the, you know, if you can take on these roles, we can just as a full-time employee um, and so it's been that way you know for, for the last four years um, it, it it makes uh, you know times of my life a little bit hectic especially this spring with COVID we had yeah. football in the spring we had tennis in the spring um, you know I, I had a, a great assistant coach for tennis who um, had played for me the first couple of years and so um, she how we kind of did practices you know, I, I was at football and she would take the first half of tennis practice and then I'd try to hustle my tail over to the courts. And, um, and so she did a phenomenal job. And then we also did um, morning workouts for tennis as well. And so I was at those all the time. But, um, you know, but uh, Coach Hour, our, our head football coach, you know, he said, hey, I know that the tennis kids missed their season last year in the spring. If you have matches, if you have that, make that your priority. So he made it really simple for me in terms of how I was going to balance things, um, at least this spring. And so yeah. um, aside from that, I, I think it's, you know, it's been really cool because obviously coaching football players, coaching tennis players, it's it's a different team atmosphere. It's a different, uh, different locker room, all those yeah. sorts of things. But uh, it's been a phenomenal experience. Um you know, I've really enjoyed, you know, being and being a different coach, you know, at football, I'm very vocal, I'm aggressive, I'm in your face and all those sorts of things. And tennis, you get a lot more um, calm coach shorts, you don't get quite that fire. And, and um, sometimes they bring it out of me if I'm not getting what I want. But, um, but very seldom is that what you get from me, because I guess that's my my tennis mindset yeah if you can't play it angry you probably can't coach it angry either so yeah do you do you are a christian college um do you do anything with any of your teams um to develop them uh spiritually on a regular basis yeah uh i mean that's a a huge part of what we do on on both programs and so um being a christian college you know uh, even I say this in recruiting, it doesn't mean everyone's going to be a pastor and a missionary and, and knows what they're doing. Um, it, it means that they're a follower of Christ. And so, um, you know, we have some kids who, who grew up pastors, kids, and they were in church on Wednesdays and Sundays since they were four. And we have some kids who, who went to an FCA event their junior year and they heard about this bearded guy and how great he was. And so it's brand new to them. So we have, uh, you know, in both sports, we just have a, a wide variety of people in their spiritual life. And so it's, I mean, it's crucial for us to, to have those things. And so, 
um, you know, aside from what the school does with chapel services throughout the weeks, um, you know, Bible and theology classes that are offered, we do Bible studies with both our teams. Um, and, and so, you know, we, we pray in football, we have meetings every day. We pray at our meetings. Um, you know, I always try each week when we game plan football, I try to bring some sort of biblical theme to our game plan and, and not necessarily, you know, David and Goliath versus our opponent, but more so you know, where we're at as a program and, um, you know, maybe things that speak on our work ethic or, you know, how we're doing socially or whatever, you know, trying to apply something to those players that week. Um, so that they can, so that, and hopefully that they realize that football is not the end all be all. That I start our meeting talking about um, biblical references, talking about our faith, because that's far more important than our football. Um, and so, you know, that's, uh, uh, that's something we do on the football side. On the tennis side, when I uh, got to, you know, essentially be the starter of this program, starter of this tradition, um, you know, I, I kind of looked inward and I said, okay, what do you want your tennis program to be? Um, and, and I remembered a sermon long ago. Um, it, it was about, you know, Jesus flipping the tables in the temple and, and, um, the pastor talked about, um, you know, Jesus saying that, that my house will be a house of prayer and, um, and it wasn't my house is going to be a house of worship or a house of lectures and sermons or it was prayer. And so, um, I took that very personally back then when I heard that sermon that, A, my prayer life was going to be better. Um, but as a, as a tennis program, I wanted us to be a program built on prayer. And so we pray together each and every practice, whether it's a morning conditioning practice or um, an evening practice on the courts. You know, it doesn't matter if we ran 15 minutes over in the tennis you know, facility trying to kick us out. We're going to pray as a team and um and we're not praying that we would be more skilled than the other team or anything like that we're going to pray for our players and um their academics and their relationships and those sorts of things and so um that was a you know that was one for me that i said okay if you if this is going to be your program and your name's going to be attached to it the way my my father's name was attached to his business and that sort of thing you're going to um, take care of it. You're going to respect it. You're going to, um, you know, make it honorable. And so, um, that was something we always emphasized is that we were going to be a faith-based program first and foremost. Yeah. Well, coach, thank, thank you so much for sharing, um, your yeah. story and sharing so many, uh, practical things that coaches can take up as well. Um, how can we be praying for you? Um, you know, I think uh, one is I always say time management, you know, that, that I can that I can balance the workload. And I think, um, you know, not even just uh, my, my job, um, but my family life as well. You know, I want to be a present father, a present husband. Um, I try my best that when I come home, I'm not on my phone with recruits for the next three, four hours or anything, but that I'm present. And so, um, you know, my time management, whether it's uh, um, you know, here at the office or back at home, uh, I think that's a big one for me. And certainly, you know, how I fit my faith into that too. It's really easy for me to wake up and have 10 things on my mind and want to just get going with the day. Um, but it's a lot more important that, you know, I get in one of the uh, books I'm reading or in my Bible or in my prayer. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's go on prayer. 
Lord, thank you so much for Coach Shorts and his story and his discipleship of tennis players as well as uh, football players there at Crown. Father, I pray that you continue to guide him in, in good time management, that with so many, wearing so many hats, that you will allow him to, to keep the main thing, the main thing, and that is continue to develop a relationship with you, seek you first, and, and then, Lord, be able to, to divide his time well, um, keeping his priorities the right way with his family and his job. Um, Lord, uh, thank you again for, for his commitment to be here on the podcast with us, and uh, I pray blessings on, on both of his teams as they move forward in the season. Amen. Pray. Amen. 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 Really, really enjoyed this interview. And Eric and I, we've we've communicated a little bit, but I'd love to meet him in person one day. Uh, but I love just the start. He was just talking about, you know, starting out as a coach, wanting to start out just like saving and uh, be number one in, in the arena. And um, and then just kind of having that realization on, you know, there's there's more to just winning and, and impacting my student athletes. And um, and then again, the the house of prayer that he talked about at the end. I love that if you're just going to build your program around one thing at a Christian college, it's just praying together. And uh, even if you're at a, a secular school, the opportunity to just invite others to to pray with you um, is just a great way to minister and, and share about Christ. Uh, yeah. And then um, in a uh, practical standpoint there, Chad, I love the talk between transferable skills between tennis and football, mainly footwork. Um, and you know, you and I played tennis for a long time. And so sometimes we, we don't see the value of tennis in other sports, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I, and we talked about Dustin Pedroia that used to play for the Red Sox, how he always did a split step before the, before he grounded a ball just to get him in an athletic position and be able to explode to whatever side the ball was hit to. And it was just great to see that at crown, you know, a lot of the players were football players as well and how they were able to transfer that knowledge between sports. And I think sometimes we get so bogged down in, oh, I'm only going to watch tennis, you know, tennis matches, tennis matches, tennis matches, when we could learn things from, from other sports. Um, and, and I thought that conversation was really good. Chad, the, the extra question I asked um, Eric, and if you want to listen to that answer, it's on our Patreon group. The link is on the show notes. Um, but I asked him about productivity hacks. You know, he basically has three full-time jobs and he still only has 24 hours in one day. So he has, you know, he, he has some tips there on, on, on productivity that can help any coach. And um, coach, as we finish this conversation here, we just want to remind that it's really important for us to grow this podcast. If you could rate and review, um, just go to the Apple podcast or Spotify or wherever you listen to, just, just click five stars, hopefully, and then just write a short review. That helps us get that word out to as many people as possible. We can't wait to come back next week with another great guest. And coach, remember, the mission field is right where you're at.